I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I've been a computer technician for more than 15 years, and I've worked on all kinds of computers. Everything from tiny point-of-sale computers to large rack server computers. This story took place about five years ago. I was at my local church and had just sat through a long sermon about generosity and giving to those that need help. At the end of the sermon, Pastor Bob asked for an additional donation because the church's roof needed repairs, and that would cost about 20,000 US dollars. That's right, 20,000 freedom dollars for a new roof. So after the service, I'm talking to my date. Pastor Bob walks over to me, and I said hi, and he introduces himself. We ended up talking a bit, and Pastor Bob asked what I do for a living. I tell him that I'm a computer technician with a shop. As I'm telling him, I have a feeling he already knows what I do. Pastor Bob then asked me to have a look at his laptop, since it's being very slow, so I agree. I turn the laptop on, and I hear a clicking noise. This clues me in that it's probably the hard drive, but I can still access the data. Now, this is a good thing, because it means I can probably recover the data. So I tell Pastor Bob that the hard drive is dying, and it needs to be replaced. I also tell him that I can probably recover the data. Pastor Bob asked me how much it would cost to fix it. I tell him for most people I would charge around 250 bucks. However, I feel I can donate my time, so I would just need about $60 for a new hard drive. Pastor Bob agrees, so I write up the invoice. The new hard drive was $60, the labor was zero, the data recovery was zero, and it would take two to four days for repair. Pastor Bob signs the invoice, and thus I take the laptop to my shop. I open the laptop and get the hard drive out and connect it to my recovery rig. I set up the recovery to clone the data to a new hard drive, but not the new one for the laptop, a high-end storage drive. I go home after locking up the shop. Next day, Monday, I open up the shop and check the recovery rig. It's still working, but will take at least 10 more hours, so I start to work on the other tickets. Then at closing time, I lock up and go home. Next day, Tuesday, I've had Pastor Bob's laptop for two days. I open the shop up and check my recovery rig, and good news, the recovery completed 100% of the data. The report says the hard drive developed too many bad sectors. Now, I have a choice to make. I could put in a 1TB hard drive for 60 bucks, Or, for the same price, I could put in a 120GB SSD. I then thought to myself that I could pay some money out of my own pocket for a 240GB SSD for 100 bucks. I decide, why not, and put the 240GB SSD into the laptop. I then clone all the data to the new 240GB SSD. An hour later, the clone is done, so I check everything, the laptop works great, and it's exactly how it was before the hard drive died. So I call up Pastor Bob and tell him the computer's done. He says, great, he'll be there soon to get it. So about 45 minutes later, Pastor Bob walks in. I show him his laptop is working and is much faster. He loves it and signs the pickup form. He then pays me with a check for 60 bucks. I tell him thanks and then head out to deposit the check after closing. So that Friday at the bank, I'm informed that Pastor Bob's check is void. I'm thinking, what? Why? I was told that Pastor Bob had placed a stop payment on the check. So consequently, I called him and he ignored my call. So I go to church on Sunday. Pastor Bob gives a sermon about not lying. I walk up to talk to him and he avoids me. So I leave and decide that I'm just going to write it off. 
I spent a hundred bucks and some time to do something nice, and I get nothing in return. So a few weeks later, a customer walks in looking for a new computer. To welcome him, I offer him a drink and go over the options. I'm chatting him up and he tells me he's a contractor that mostly does siding and roofing. He's thinking about offering solar. That's why he was getting a new computer. I ask him how much does a roof cost? He says up to $10,000. So I ask him why someone would say $20,000. And he had no idea. I thought it was strange. So I then ask him about the church. The contractor said it would have been a simple fix around $5,000. And he could probably do it for less. The contractor ends up buying a nice new laptop. Sorry the setup took so long. The revenge starts now. Now, something about what the contractor said bugs me later. Why would Pastor Bob lie and say that it's $20,000 for a new roof? And why would he stiff me for 60 bucks? I then remember that I have never cleared the recovery rig storage drive. I check it, and there's Pastor Bob's laptop data. Now, I decide to have a look around, as it's slow, and I'm caught up on repair tickets. Fittingly, I look around a bit. Now, I can see he has all of his logins stored in a folder on the desktop, including his online dating logins. Did I ever mention that Pastor Bob is married? So I start printing his online dating messages. I look back to find that Pastor Bob had been adult hugging. He's been chatting up several women from his online dating. And he had been paying for dates from the church's donation fund. At this point, I'm getting really angry. I then realize that he's adult hugged the woman that I was dating when I was dating her. It was then that I decided to break Pastor Bob. I printed out all of his dating messages and even had the time, dates, and locations for where they would meet up. The only thing I refused to print were the naughty pictures. It was a pretty impressive packet. I then decide that I need copies of the packet. Therefore, I ordered 100 packets printed from a major online printer. A few days later, my order of revenge packets arrived. These revenge packets are amazing. They're double-sided, staple-bound, with a cover with Pastor Bob's face on it. So now the conclusion, and I think it's worth it. So I go to church that perfect Sunday. I show up a bit late. Everybody's in the church, so I put a revenge packet on each car. I also have a few revenge packets that are in yellow folders. Fittingly, I put them in the mail. I sent one to all the higher-ups in the church and sent a special packet with some of Pastor Bob's naughty pictures to Pastor Bob's wife. I set the return address to the church. I also emailed a bunch of people the revenge packet from a new email I created. A couple weeks later, I went back to the church. Pastor Bob was gone, and so was the wife. Several of the women were gone, including the one I was dating. I asked one of the important people there what happened, and the answer was amazing. I was told about the revenge packet and how everybody had gotten one. The day my revenge packet appeared, the sermon that Pastor Bob was giving was about the evils of adultery and cheating on your wife. Thank you, church calendar. So the fallout. Pastor Bob was fired and shunned. Multiple women from the church have not returned, including the one I was dating. Pastor Bob's wife is divorcing him, and she's the one that owns the house and the cars. He's also being sued by several people, including the one that fixed the roof. He never paid any of them. There were also rumors of a criminal case for embezzlement. No one has seen Bob in a while now, and the church might close if they can't find a new pastor. But the church's money is also very low. Apparently, he also spent over $30,000 in online gambling. <laughs> what in the world, my friends? All of this over a $60 stopped payment. The pastor definitely should have known that something like this was going to happen, sir. Never screw over the people who have access to your data. And never have all of your logins neatly stored on a folder on the desktop. If you ask me, he almost deserves what he got for being so not smart. I don't want to call him dumb. That's too mean. So I worked as a front desk agent in a large luxury hotel chain for some years. 
One particular hotel I worked at was located really close to the downtown area, so we got a large number of young, very wealthy business people who loved to party. I usually worked the second and third shifts, which meant that I got to see loads of drunken hookups, breakups, cheating, hookers, and more. Now, this particular one, though, is one I'll never forget. So, I was working at the desk when a group of young, well-dressed men come walking in. They've all clearly been drinking, but aren't so drunk that they can't walk right or hold a conversation. One of them comes up to me and tells me that while he and his friends were at the bar, a woman was hitting on them. And even though he told her no multiple times, she wouldn't stop. So he and his friends left and it wasn't until they got in the Uber that he realized that he didn't have his room key anymore. He says he thinks she took it and he's concerned that she might come up to his room. He asked that I deactivate the keys and if she does come up to the hotel, do not let her in. Now, when he was telling me all of this, it didn't sit right with me. He and his friends were all smiling about it and snickering. He then gave a clear description of her, without being asked. He told me her height, her body shape, her hair color, and style, and the kind of dress she was wearing, all the while saying it in a mocking tone. Now, this could have easily been because he thought the whole thing was ridiculous, or was too drunk to take it seriously, but it didn't really sound right to me. Either way, I did what I was trained in that situation. I pulled up his reservation, deactivated the keys as requested, and made him a new set when he showed me his ID, and even offered to move him to a new room if that would make him feel more comfortable. At that, he and his buddies all laughed, and he declined. He took the keys and went to their room. About an hour or so later, the woman he described shows up. Now, by this point, my relief for the night had shown up, and was sitting in the front desk as I was in the back office counting down my cash drawer. I hadn't had the chance to tell him about the woman, Just as I'm walking out of the back office with my bag and about to leave, I see my coworker buzz the doors open and the woman comes rushing in. She cuts through the lobby and down the hall to the elevators. She was barefoot, holding her heels in her hands and I knew exactly where she was going. I then rushed up to him and told him that the man from before had told me about her. My coworker looked at me confused. He then points to the screen that had the reservation pulled up and he told me that when the woman arrived, she went to use the room keys and they didn't work. So he asked her for the room number and last name and she gave both and her name is on the reservation. Now I looked at the reservation and down in the notes, there was a woman's name listed. The man from before was listed as the primary, but her name was listed as the secondary with his consent to be in the room. Now at this point, I was confused. I thought maybe she wasn't the same woman that he was talking about, but to be on the safe side, I called the man in his room and told him about the situation and that we allowed a woman fitting the description he gave to enter the building because she confirmed her name was on the room. So the guy then laughs. He said he forgot her name was on the room and asked that I remove it. Now I was super confused. I asked just to make sure. Uh, sir, just to be clear, the woman you met at the bar tonight was with you at the check-in hours ago and was allowed keys then, but now she's not? So the guy then laughs with all of his friends in the room and says, Aw, guys, I confused the poor girl. He gets back on the phone with me and says, Yeah, sweetheart, she's banned from the room. Don't worry about the other details, just take her name off and don't let her in. I said, I see. Then, if she's not going to be able to go in the room anymore, would you like us to call the police and have her removed from the property? The guy then responds with, Oh, whoa, that's too far there. Don't worry. She'll get the hint soon enough. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. We ended the call there and I get really suspicious of this. I tell my coworker to not do anything and that I was going to stick around a bit to see if anything really happened. So a short time later, the woman comes off the elevator. She's pouring tears, sobbing while on the phone with someone. She sat down in our lobby, and my coworker and I tried to look busy while eavesdropping hard on the phone call. She was sobbing on the phone with her mom and her sister. From what she told them, she was invited out to spend the weekend with her boyfriend meeting all of his buddies. This being their first night, they all met up for dinner and drinks. So after a bit, she goes to the restroom, and when she comes back, she caught her boyfriend hitting on another woman. When she confronted him pissed off, he called her a bunch of names and embarrassed her in front of his friends, and the entire place. All of his friends joined in on mocking her, and he threw in her face that she was nothing without him and dumped her right there. He and his friends then took an Uber back and left her stranded at the bar with no money and no way back. She then had to use her phone's GPS and walk back to the hotel. I then hear her on the phone asking her mom and sister for help, as he would not let her in the room to get her luggage or her wallet. My heart broke. I felt terrible. I had helped this guy treat this poor woman like crap, and now he and his friends were up there laughing at her while she's sitting in the lobby sobbing with nothing. So I grabbed her a bottle of water and brought it to her. I told her that I couldn't help but overhear the conversation and was very sorry for her situation, and asked if she would like us to help. I informed her that if he was keeping her from getting her things, we could call the police, and have them force him to hand over her things so she could leave if she'd like. Or, if she wanted to let her mom or sister pay for a room, we'd be happy to give her a very low rate in a room far from him. She thanked me, took the water, and tried to calm down and talk to me about what was happening and what her options were. Eventually, we decided on her staying in the hotel for the night and figuring out the rest in the morning. As we make it to the desk, she asked me to try to run her credit card to see if it has enough for another room. I ask her what she means by another room, and she tells me that she's actually paying for the room that he's in. That his name is on the room because he booked it, but that's her card paying for everything. Now, this intrigued me. I asked why she was paying for him if the room was in his name. She told me that she's the one with the job, not him. She told me that he hasn't been able to find a job in his field since graduating from college and is essentially living off of his parents' money. But just after they started dating, his parents cut him off, so he's been living off of her money. That's why she was so upset and confused by how he's been acting all night, how he was sweet and doing everything for her back home, but since he met up with his friends, he did a complete 180 and hasn't been the same guy the entire time. Now, I wanted to tell her that it was obvious that he was using her for money, and that he'd probably blame his friends for all this to try to get back with her later on. I decided against that, so instead, I offered up a sweet piece of revenge. So I informed her that considering that she's the one paying for the room, if she can confirm that that's her card on file with some sort of photo ID, and also verify the last four digits of the card number, then she could, if she wanted to, kick him out of the room and keep it to herself. Also, considering how poor her night's been, if she were indeed able to prove that she's the one paying for the room, I'd be more than happy to provide her the largest luxury upgrade we have in the hotel. I'd even have my coworker fish out a bottle of champagne, all free of charge. 
She was taken aback by the offer and was very sincerely tempted, but she looked like she was about to say no. I then told her that since she would be upgrading her room, that would require moving her things from that room into her new room, which means the room she's currently listed in would need to be vacated immediately. I also added that if anyone were to remain in the room after we demanded it be vacated, that we're required to have them escorted off the property, or they pay for the room. It's their choice. So she then thought about it. She pulled up her card's banking app and showed me the screen. It had her full name, the card's full number, and the hold from the hotel for the room. She asked if that worked, and that was good enough for me. I quickly upgraded her, moved everything over in the system, and before I could say a word to my coworker, he was already grabbing a set of master keys, a bell cart, and was asking her what her luggage looked like, since he was the one retrieving it. He did not want her to have to deal with her ex again. She smiled and told him which ones were hers, and that she hadn't even unpacked yet. My coworker runs down to the elevators and up to fetch her things while I make her a new set of keys and send her off to her new room. So once she's on the elevator, my phone at the desk starts ringing. It's the ex-boyfriend and he's very angry about why my coworker has entered the room and is taking her things. I calmly explain that I cannot give out the private information of any of our guests and that if he would like to remain in his room, he will need to pay for it as there is no longer a method of payment for his room. And he blew up. He's making a ton of demands and at the same time yelling at my coworker to stop what he's doing. But it's obvious from the way he's yelling at him that my coworker isn't listening to him. I can hear the guy's friends telling him to chill out and to just pay for the room. I then explain that we will give him a courtesy 10 minutes to make a decision. At which point, if he doesn't have a payment ready, then he must vacate the building or we will be forced to call police and have him evicted. The guy continues to yell at me. He screams, swears, threatens, and yells for a solid minute before taking a breath. I then tell him he has 9 minutes remaining and ask if he's come to a decision yet. He then hangs up on me. So nine minutes later, I call the room and he doesn't answer. I call again with no answer. I call for a third time and he picks up and immediately hangs up. I then call the police and tell them what's going on and they said they're on their way. So the officers arrive and I tell them what's going on and we go up to the room together and the man and his friends are white as ghosts when they see the cops. The cops explain to the ex-boyfriend and his friends that they're being evicted from the room. At this point, the ex-boyfriend starts to try to talk to me, but the cops stop him and tell him to only talk to them. The friends are all offering to pay for the room at this point, and the cops look at me and ask if that would be acceptable. I smile very sweetly and say, "Mm, no. The cops nod and start rushing all the guys to grab their things and leave the room. The ex-boyfriend is the last one out the door. He's carrying two bags and complaining that he isn't even given a luggage cart and has to carry his own things. His friends look pissed at him. I go with the officers to escort all of them out the building and run into my coworker in the lobby. He waits until they're all outside in the building parking lot to tell me that the woman's in her new room, she loves it, and said no to the champagne and she just wants to sleep. I didn't get to see her before she left town the next day, but her ex-boyfriend did try calling our hotel to complain a number of times and even tried leaving some bad reviews of us online and lied through all of it. I hope she never has to deal with him again. My friends, what an amazing revenge story on a scumbag of a guy. Listen, you've got to be lacking a lot of brain cells to do that to the person who literally pays for your hotel room. I'm so glad that Opie and her co-workers got together to take down this freaking idiot. Clearly the guy chose bros over her, and that doesn't really work out when she's paying for your life, man. I'm sorry, but that's a terrible move. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash pro revenge. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the stories today, and if you did, do hit that like button. And if you missed yesterday's episode I did, a Karen friggin' pushes her four-year-old into a pool just to get a video of him almost drowning to show her friends and family on social media. (laughs) You gotta get those likes, right? My friends, check it out if you haven't, and I'll see you guys in the next one. I love you. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 